Welcome to Word at Nine, a podcast dedicated to lifting up the voices of student preachers at Yale Divinity School. I'm your host, Christy Stang. Today we welcome Zach Carroll as our preacher. Zach, thank you for bringing your voice to this episode. Welcome. Good morning or good evening or good afternoon, whenever you may be listening to this podcast. My name is Zach Carroll. I'm a second year student at Yale Divinity School in Andover Newton Seminary. Thank you, Christy, for this podcast, for the opportunity and space to be able to come on and give a word. This sermon is from the past Sunday, April 25th, and the lectionary reading for it is John chapter 10, verses 11 through 18. They read, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand, who is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and runs away. The wolf snatches them and scatters them. The hired hand runs away because a hired hand does not care for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me, just as the father knows me. And I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that do not belong to this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life in order to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it up again. I have received this command from my Father. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you join me in a moment of prayer? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O God, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. When I would flip through the photo book at home, there was always one photo that stood out to me. It had little, nearly one-year-old Zach in it with my father, who was laying down and had a giant bruise on his leg. And the story that my parents told me was that one day, nearly one-year-old little Zach was wandering around and curious and got a little too close to the stairs. And as I was about to tumble down, my dad saw it, jumped in front of me, used his body to protect me, and so we both ended up at the bottom of the stairs. I was fine and unscathed and smiling, as in the photo, but my father took the bruise that I otherwise would have had, and he bore that mark on his leg. Now, I'll admit to you that I do not fully understand the intricacies or social expectations of shepherding in first century Palestine, which is where our metaphor reading today is from. But I do understand the utter abandon, someone who loves you and so cares for you, that they would dive in front of you and tumble down, that they would bear in their body the bruises and marks, the trials or problems or wolves that might otherwise have overtaken you. 
Now, I want to note the caveat that not everybody may have had a father figure or parent like this in their life. And I acknowledge that. But I hope that you can look back in your life and think for a moment and find maybe a sibling or a friend or a mentor, some other person who you can look back and see how they abandoned their own well-being for the sake of your safety and welfare. Because it's that point, I think, Jesus is trying to speak to the people in his social context in this passage. And he uses the idea of shepherding and sheep in the pastoral life because it's a context or image that they would have understood. Now, it's worth noting where this passage comes from and what happens before our reading today. In the context of the Gospel of John and the narrative, in chapter 9, you have a miracle where a person who had been unable to see from birth was suddenly given sight by Jesus. And the Pharisees, or some of the religious authorities of that day, had a sort of inquisition surrounding it because they wanted to inquire what had happened, and then they debated amongst themselves because quite a few of them did not want to believe that what Jesus was doing was real, was the work of God. And towards the end of that passage, Jesus says something to the effect of then the religious authorities not being able to see clearly what it is that he is doing. Well, they wonder about that because they think they see everything that's going on quite fine. And that brings us to chapter 10. And in the first few verses of chapter 10, he brings in this imagery, this metaphor, almost a parable of the sheep, the sheep going through a gate and the sheep being led by a shepherd. Well, in typical Jesus fashion, the audience doesn't quite get it. So he has to explain it. And in verses 7 and 8 to 9 and 10, he explains how he is the gate through which the sheep go. In verses 11 through 18, he explains how he is the good shepherd leading the sheep. Now, before exploring those images, I just want to ask for a second, why is it, do you think, that the Pharisees or the religious authorities of that day were not able to understand the metaphor whenever he first gave it? Might it have been that they, in many ways, saw themselves as the shepherds to their people, the shepherds to the flock of Israel. And they might not have realized the ways in which they were merely acting as hired hands. Do you think they were unable to see how they might have preyed upon the weak or bound the vulnerable under the weight of their rules and expectations and social standards? And if we think that is the case, What are the cautions for our own circumstances and the ways in which we, in thinking that we might be shepherds or stewards of our community, what are the ways that we might be unable to see the hindrances and the exclusionary practices that we embody? Now, keeping that in mind, let's look at some of the imagery from this metaphor that Jesus gives. As I said, there's a first image of Jesus as the gate through which the sheep walk. And we didn't read that, so I'm not going to dwell there today. But for me, at least, it evokes that famous passage in John chapter 14, where Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. 
him being the gate is this idea that he is the means of access for the sheep to God. But he is also the means of access for, to the sheep, to the people of God, for others. But where I want to spend most of my time today is in the good shepherd sayings. And there's two of them in these verses, 11 through 18. The first, I am the good shepherd saying, indicates the willingness of the shepherd to take risk for the sake of the sheep and the way in which that differentiates the shepherd from the hired hand. The second, I am the good shepherd saying, relates to the intimacy between the shepherd and the sheep and the desire of the shepherd for the unity of the flock. Now, if we fast forward to the end of the passage, I think it's quite clear that the author of John's gospel, the social context and readers for which this gospel was created, would have looked at this passage through the framework of Good Friday and Easter Sunday, in the same way that we look through that framework. If you look at verses 17 through 18, Jesus communicates that something about the divine ministry, the work of God, something about it requires a willingness to love those around you and to love the work of God even more than your own life. And nowhere is this more true than in Good Friday and Easter Sunday, where Jesus willingly goes to his death. The audience looking back in our modern faith communities looking back can see the ways in which Jesus accepts the consequences of sin, of social oppression, of the violence of governing authorities, all of the ways in which he takes that upon himself and then rises back to life. And I think that's what verses 17 through 18 for the audience back then and for us today is trying to indicate. But there's more than just the demise and the resurrection of the shepherd in this passage. There's also the inclusiveness and intimacy of the shepherd with the sheep. And that's one of the beauties of this passage for me. The way in which the shepherd cares so deeply. Now, as I said before, I'm no shepherd myself. I'm not one who's grown up on a farm or anything like that. But I would think it's somewhat unusual that somebody in charge of animals would have this sort of affection for them. But here, in this passage, it's pretty clear that we are the sheep. We human beings, fellow siblings in this life, are the sheep of the passage. And it's reassuring and encouraging that Jesus so thoroughly identifies with us and has love for us. But not just for us in our little community or church group or seminary group, not just for our little flock, but for all of the flocks over which he is responsible. And the goal that Jesus has in his ministry and through his life is that these flocks and these sheep, we as human beings, would come together to join our lives with one another, to join our churches with one another, to have unity within our community of God. Those are all messages that are essential and are compelling. But for me, the most insightful aspect of this story comes from the first saying of the Good Shepherd, 
that distinction between the good shepherd who loves the sheep so much that he is willing to risk his own life and the hired hand who runs away whenever things become risky. I think it's worth noting here that the idea of laying down one's life, especially in these first few verses of 11 and 12 and 13, equates to a sort of idiom or expression of risking one's life. You see, towards the end of the passage, I think it's so easy to look back through the context of what we know concerning Jesus's end and resurrection. Since we know the end of the story, we know what happens on Good Friday and Easter Sunday. It's so easy to read it through that lens. But try reading this part of the story through a different lens. Try reading it without that sort of knowledge in mind. And what I think you might find is the significance of what Jesus is saying or trying to explain to the religious authorities of his day. That part of what is unique, part of what is so fundamentally different about his ministry compared to the other ministries and religious works of his day was the risk that he was willing to undergo, the degree to which he would bear in his body and in his life the wounds intended for those about whom he cared. Now, I think these verses and this metaphor of the sheep and the shepherd surely resonate or draw upon a passage earlier in the Bible. That is, those words of the prophet in Ezekiel 34, words which surely Jesus would have known or at least been familiar with, and which the religious authorities would have known. In that passage in Ezekiel 34, the word of God says that the shepherds of the people, the religious leaders of that day, the authorities of the people in that time, had fed themselves instead of feeding the sheep. The shepherds had been derelict in their duty. Because of that, the sheep are scattered about, and the sheep became food for all the wild animals. Because the shepherds were negligent, they were more like hired hands. And later on in that chapter in Ezekiel 34, God says, I am against the shepherds. I will rescue my sheep from their mouths. And instead of somebody else being the shepherd of the people, the scriptures would tell us, God says, I myself will search for my sheep. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep. And I will make them lie down. What Jesus might be telling us then in this passage and what he might have been trying to convey to his audience is that the ministry of Jesus, at least part of it, was to reverse the predicament of the sheep. To be somebody who cares for them and loves them in a way that most authorities, most shepherds, were not. We certainly see it fulfilled at Easter time in this idea of Jesus taking on the weight of sin and oppression and violence by the governing authorities, betrayal by a friend, even going all the way to the scourge of society and to the cross and death. And the fact that Jesus rises and negates these powers, showing that God is greater and promising a similar outcome for us in the resurrection, all of that is the ultimate fulfillment of the true and good shepherd. But that's not the only way 
in which him being a good shepherd is important. And in many ways, if we are called to be like Jesus, we are called to be a good shepherd in the way that he was. We may not be the good shepherd, but we have a responsibility to shepherd people the same way that he did. As somebody studying to be a pastor, I think particularly for us seminarians listening or reading this passage, we need to take it to heart. Flashy cars or private jets or TV speaking engagements or social media influence, those are not the hearts of our ministry. Those are the hearts of self-enrichment and the sort of shepherd who is just a hired hand, who's looking out for their own gain, not truly caring for the people. You may have sheep under you, but are you actually loving them and caring for them? Because whenever I think of shepherds and leaders who care for the sheep, I think of those churches along the border who shelter migrants and use the sanctity of their space to protect humans from outside threats and from wolves. I think of viral pictures I've seen from Brooklyn Center, Minnesota, where you see dozens of police officers heavily armed guarding churches that might have been harboring protesters and helping those injured to get out of harm's way. Those are instances of taking threats, taking the abuse of wolves upon yourself for the sake of protecting the sheep. I think of the scourge and endemic of police violence within our nation right now. Our society did something vitally important this week in recognizing, through 12 ordinary citizens after much deliberation and evidence, that there was, in fact, a wolf who preyed on a sheep in our midst. And yet, we still see so many bloody sheep on our screens. Do we not have a duty to protect them and care for them? Moreover, do we not have an obligation to create a society where instead of having authorities who are hired hands, who shoot first and ask questions later? Do we not have an obligation to ask and demand for the sort of authority who shepherds and wants the sheep to live? And still, sometimes even more personally, the way that we can be a good shepherd to others is just protecting each other in our personal relationships. Sometimes it's nothing more than diving down a set of stairs for the sake of somebody we love. I think an important postscript to this passage is what happens in verses 19 and 20 and 21 in the 10th chapter of John, after Jesus delivers this message. Those post-verses tell us that the people were divided regarding what he said. Some thought that he was saying something demonic. Some wondered, though, how somebody who was so good to his sheep could truly be of the devil. I hope today that we may see that Jesus truly is the good shepherd. 
may we believe that the shepherd in our midst is not the one who acts after the customs of this world, or who acts like a hired hand, but the shepherd in our midst is one who lives out a love, willing to risk even life itself. May we become a people who, in laying down our lives, in fact, find it. Amen. This has been Word at Nine, a podcast dedicated to lifting up the voices of student preachers at Yale Divinity School. Thank you for listening.